To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now with Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 62318. Welcome, Cyclone. Buy any of the 108 Atlanta area O'Reilly Auto Parts stores where you'll find everyday low prices on the parts you need to keep your vehicle at its best. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any auto parts store's price on any like item. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Fans, to another edition of the Wide Right Natty Light Podcast. We've got Dylan Montz with you today from the Ames Tribune. Uh, he covers Iowa State football and basketball. Uh, he's also co-author with Alex Halstead of the book, uh, 100 Things to Know and Do Before You Die for Iowa State Fans. If you're looking for a stocking stuffer idea out there, I know we talked last week with Alex about it. Uh, the book, they, they wrote it a couple of years ago, uh, but it's a great for, for any Iowa State fan that maybe hasn't read it yet um, or has read it but the, wants their own copy. Uh, so if you're looking for last-minute Christmas ideas, there you go. So at this point, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in Dylan. Dylan, uh, are those books still still flying off the shelves? And uh, when can we possibly get volume two of that? Maybe a uh, hundred hundred blown calls in in Iowa State history or something like that. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad one. I think there would be enough to fill out most of those books. But uh, yeah, Alex and I get reports every once in a while on how it's doing and. Uh, obviously, initially, it did really well, and uh, people got it on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and places like that. And I was actually at uh, Barnes & Noble at uh, Jordan Creek Mall uh, the other week, and I saw a couple copies there still. But uh, like you said, it's kind of a nice little collection of different stories throughout history. And when we wrote it, uh, obviously, all you know, there was several stuff, several chapters that were kind of current and up-to-date, and it's it's kind of crazy how even long ago those feel now. I mean, because uh, uh, George Niang, Monte Morris, uh, maybe mentioned in there a little bit, but um, uh, hopefully in a, a year, a couple of years, we'll get to update the book and, and get in some more of the recent stuff with, with what the football team has, has obviously done this year and then some of those uh, uh, high-level basketball players that have now come and gone. So uh, it was a fun project and uh, kind of looking forward to revisiting it at some point. Now, you obviously write for a living, so it, it might not have been as much of an undertaking as, as someone that does something else for a living, but uh, what, how big of a project is, is writing a book, and is it something that you want to pursue uh, doing again, you know, instead of writing uh, for, for the newspaper and different outlets online, uh, writing a book that people go to a bookstore or order off Amazon, a little lengthier project, so what kind of undertaking was that? Yeah, it's kind of fun to think about it now and look back on it, and and it kind of the journey of writing it was was kind of a unique experience. But uh, I'll say this: I was really glad that I, I had a writing partner uh, with Alex because, uh, like you said, the undertaking even for somebody who does write for a living is kind of massive, especially when you're doing it alongside uh, your your day job. You got to kind of spill hours and 
find interview times and, and research times really wherever you can. But uh, there was a lot more that went into it than I thought in terms of, of you know, looking through different archives and, and uh, you know, things throughout history, historical records, um, taking time to do interviews with, with the people that were, were there for all of it. Um, I, I knew it was going to uh, be a big time commitment, but I think it was even more eye-opening uh, once once we got into the thick of it uh, than I had even realized. But like I said, a really fun project, and it's it's fun to hear those stories firsthand and, and kind of retell them through your own, um, uh, you know, the, the way you can kind of digest all the information and then put it back out there. You take the interview, kind of filter it, and, and sprinkle in some historical context and, and kind of um, put it back out there for everybody. So a really fun project, and, uh, you know, if I ever had the time or, or the right project, it would be something that would be fun to kind of go back and, and do again. Well, I enjoyed reading it, uh, and I know a lot of people listening probably did as well. And I know if you ever do update it, I, I know that the the narrative might be a little more uh, positive than, or there might be more things to choose from uh, with the recent run of Iowa State basketball success. And that's kind of the first thing we're going to talk about now is this basketball season was, was supposed to be a bit of a rebuilding year, and, and it still might turn out to be a uh, Big 12 slate up ahead looks uh, as torturous as ever. Uh, but at, with them standing uh, where they're at, uh, winning eight in a row, uh, is this where you thought this team would be, or have they surprised you a little bit? And I, I'm talking back before before they lose to Missouri, before they lose uh, to Wisconsin-Milwaukee, before the season started. Uh, would you have taken, taken this start uh, if you put yourself in the shoes of an Iowa State fan? Yeah, I think this this start is maybe to be expected. I know, obviously, uh, you can trade the loss to Milwaukee and maybe say they lose to Iowa instead or lose to, like, a Boise State in, in Myrtle Beach instead of dropping that home game to Milwaukee. And you can maybe kind of think that they would be in this position that they're in now. But um, when you do add in the context of, of kind of how the season's gone and the, the changes that have been made, obviously, with Nick Weiler-Babb moving over to point guard and – um, Donovan Jackson and Lindell Wigginson playing off the ball and Cameron Mark being uh, you know, really good down there uh, around the block early. Uh, I think it, it, the start to the season and it, it, well, especially the last eight games, I think, has been uh, really kind of eye-opening in a couple ways. It shows that Iowa State has still been able to recruit and get some high-level kids in there. And Lindell Wigginson's proven to, to kind of live up to, to the hype that he came in with. Cameron Lard, kind of the same thing. He had a lot of pressure on him, I think, to come in and perform well. He's done, uh, you know, remarkably well for for uh, a big kid down there playing really his first basketball um, in a couple of years, given all this all the, uh, the trials and tribulations that it took to get him on campus. But uh, I think uh, got to give a lot of credit, credit to Steve Cohn because he has had to kind of move these guys and, and get them all together on the same page and. Um, you know, like the, like I said, the last big games have really done a good job of that. You mentioned it didn't take long for Steve Prome to make a change at point guard. Uh, kind of the devil's advocate in me is wondering, you know, it, it does look like a genius move at this point uh, with them rattling off eight in a row, but why did it – why was this not something that uh, Steve Prome started the year with? Why, why was that something that maybe he didn't see in practice? Uh, to be able to make the move right away from the start of that Missouri game was that 
has to do with uh, the suspensions and, and injury to Hans early, or why why did it take two games to make the switch? Yeah, I think part of that, I think it was part of the suspension injury stuff, and they liked Wyler Babb's size maybe to play off the ball. He could be kind of that three in-betweener guy where you get him on the wing and uh, has that drive ability maybe to get to the lane uh, and, and go toe-to-toe a little bit more with the size that you see around the block. But I know they have, like, him bringing up the ball um, in the past. I mean, obviously, like last year, you saw him bringing up the ball as the three, even when Monte was on the floor, just – he was able to initiate the offense, but I think there are a few different things. I think they wanted um, they wanted to try to put it in Donovan Jackson's hands early just to see if he could be a shot creator a little bit. And there might be times where Donovan Jackson can be uh, initiator and a, and a shot creator on his own. But I think, especially early on, I think we've seen him be better playing off the ball. So I think it was just kind of feeling out the roster. And, uh, you know, as those guys got used to each other and are getting used to each other, I think it's it's kind of equal for, for Prome and the coaching staff, too. They had to kind of figure out uh, what pieces they could mix and match, who fit where best. Uh, so it was all just kind of an experiment. Um, you know, as I know, hindsight, you can go back and say if one of Dab starts um, the season at point guard, maybe they they do well in Missouri, beat Missouri, maybe that, that uh, you know, Milwaukee loss doesn't happen, but um, you know, the move that it didn't last, you know, it didn't take him four or five games into the season. He did it after two games. And, and like we said, you kind of got to figure it out after that. Now that they have uh, figured it out, they, they made the switch. Uh, offense seems to be rolling. They don't have any marquee wins necessarily, uh, but they do have several quality wins. You know, if you look back at last year's non-conference schedule, uh, this one's actually shaping up to be uh, a better resume than what it was last year. They have three top 100 uh, Ken Palm victories, and all of a sudden uh, some people are starting to write about Iowa State's chances of making the NCAA tournament. I know four, I believe four brackets out of about 30 posted on Bracket Matrix right, right now have Iowa State in the field. Uh, is the NCAA tournament something uh, that Iowa State fans should – have hope for, expect, or is it is it more of a long shot? Uh, I think you could be cautiously optimistic about it. I think uh, it certainly looks more realistic than what it did after the first few games of the season. Um, kind of like you alluded to when we uh, started this, the Big 12 is going to be crazy this year. I mean, you talked about just what happened this last weekend with Oklahoma State beating an undefeated Florida State team. You talked about Oklahoma going to uh, Wichita State and winning. Uh, you know, Kansas has had a, a couple rough games here, but uh, there's still Kansas, uh, you know, West Virginia, K-State. I mean, there's just, you can go on down and pick out all these different teams. TCU obviously is undefeated. Texas Tech, it's, it's, it's going to be kind of a grind. So uh, I think Iowa State obviously has done some really good things here through the non-conference after those first two games. Um, that's the, what I'm most interested to see is how they handle uh, this Big 12 slate coming up because the, the move of Wyler Babb from off the ball to point guard has been good and served him really well here. But I want to see how he does against um, the Big 12 perimeter defenders when he's asked to initiate the offense a little bit more and be the primary ball handler there. Uh, how does he how does he counter kind of some of those things that they do defensively? But I think uh, as far as NCAA tournament and kind of the long view of the season, 
they can kind of hold serve on home court for the most part, um, you know, get a couple on the road, possibly go around 500 in the league. Uh, you're putting yourself in the conversation to get to the postseason again. One of the reasons they're in this conversation is because a couple of the newcomers, a couple of the freshmen have been every bit as good as advertised, Lindell Wigginton, uh, but then also Cameron Lard, who uh, we weren't sure was ever going to make it to campus. Uh, I know a lot of Iowa State fans had their doubts that uh, he would ever play a game in Iowa State uniform, but here he is, uh, and the the hype train has, <laughs> has gotten out of control uh, for Cameron Lard when it comes to the Iowa State fan base. Uh, they want to see more minutes, more minutes out of him. Uh, how do you evaluate Steve Prohm's usage of Cameron Lard thus far uh, this season? Yeah, I think it's all part of still kind of easing him into it because I know, uh, like I said, he's playing his first season of basketball basically in two years uh, with him transferring and having to clear some of that high school stuff that he had and then him redshirting the second semester last year. It's been a while since he played competitive ball and, uh, as good as he's looked, um, I know the problem is, is saying, you know, there's still obviously things he can clean up as a freshman. And, um, you know, I wouldn't surprise necessarily to see him move into the starting lineup at some point. I don't know when that would be. But um, I, I think he's played really well. And as far as the picks go that they have, he just looks different or feels different to me. Uh, uh, you know, Solomon Young is great. He does so many good things. But Lord's even more different than him, uh, large, more athletic. He can, he can finish a little bit better offensively than, than Solomon can and can kind of get around some of those big defenders that are down there in a different way. So I think he's, he's played really well for what he's been asked to do so far, but I think um, Steve Prohm and, and the staff are, are really high on him and, and see big things for him. And uh, that's just all part of the growing process and the maturing process for him is, taking on more and more of that as the season goes along. And I think by, uh, you know, January, February, you'll see uh, a lot of good things from it. Dylan, how, you know, with, with injuries, Iowa State's only only dressing eight guys right now. Uh, and Steve Prohm's always had a, a short rotation since he's come to Iowa State. So how are Jacoby Long and Azran Tali recovering from their injuries, and, and when can we maybe expect to see them back? And then my my other question with that is, with the recent success, have their injuries almost put them out of the rotation, or or will they push someone else out of the rotation uh, when they get back into the thing, the swing of things? Yeah, for the first part of it, it sounds like they're both uh, – they're both going to be out a little bit longer. I don't know necessarily if you'll see them before the new year, although it sounds like Jacoby Wally's in a little bit better position and is going back into practice and doing some of those things. And uh, maybe seeing for that K-State game uh, right before the new year. Um, Pally, it sounds kind of like it's a little bit more up in the air. You maybe not see him until after, after the first. But I think uh, – the injury situation probably hurt Jacoby Long a little bit more than they do Zoran Talley just because of the guard play that Iowa State's been able to have. I mean, we can, uh, you have obviously the three guys with uh, Wyler Babb, Wigginson, and Jackson. Um, you can have Terrence Lewis kind of come in and, and shoot a little bit off the perimeter. Um, it's Those minutes are going to be at a premium. And like you said, the rotation isn't very big anyway. So Steve Foam kind of likes, uh, his guys and, and sticks with them. It, it makes it harder for, for Jacoby Long to jump in there. But I think with Tally, um, I, I think they're more willing probably to 
see use kind of a, a, a variety of those bigs. So I think you could see Tally come in and maybe get a few minutes from Jeff Beverly or, or you know, maybe take a couple from Solomon here or there. It just kind of depends. But I think he's maybe in a little bit better position when he comes back to to get a couple of his minutes as opposed to Jacoby Long. But it sounds like both of those guys are, are maybe a couple weeks out yet. With the recent run of basketball success, uh, Iowa State fans have kind of, I don't think they've, they've forgotten about, but uh, they haven't had the same level of excitement of a bowl game as many maybe they have in the past. It's been a while, and the, the last time uh, Iowa State made a bowl was just kind of at the start of this NCAA tournament run. So uh, Iowa State fans will be gearing up for some football here again in about a week. After one of the best seasons in a long time, Iowa State is uh, rewarded, if that's what you want to call it, with a game in Memphis against the University of Memphis. Being around the locker room and the guys, was was there a little bit of a letdown knowing that they're going to be playing uh, a team on their home field when the when the Liberty Bowl was announced? Yeah, I don't know if there was really a letdown. I think probably the biggest impression that I took from them is they kind of view it with a chip on their shoulder a little bit. That's kind of how they've approached the whole season, less uh, beating Oklahoma and, and people saying it's not for real and, um, you know, they're going to come back down to earth at some point. I think they kind of view this as another step, um, playing a 10-2 and two Memphis team who's in the top 25 and who's going into the game as a favorite. I think they, in the, on their home field, like you said, I think it's a kind of another another step in in kind of what the season has been of, of being kind of playing the underdog role a little bit. And I know um, Matt Campbell kind of, um, he, he was, I don't know how I want to say it, but he, not necessarily snarky, but a little bit. He's talked about, okay, we talk every week about this game being the biggest game in Iowa State history. This game is the biggest game. Uh, he, he kind of joked a little bit about this game now being the biggest game with all the different elements to it of, of going back down to the Liberty Bowl, but having it be a quote-unquote road game of playing uh, a team in their home stadium. So it's just kind of one of those things, and not necessarily a letdown, but more of a another opportunity to, to kind of um, refine that chip on your shoulder and, and go into it with, with that kind of mindset. It is a huge game as you think about the difference between an eight and a five, eight and five season, uh, eight one season, which Iowa State hasn't had in a long time, uh, and a seven and six season, which they've they've done a lot of when they've gone to bowls, either going six and six, winning it, uh, going seven and five, losing it. Uh, that eight one season, something that they haven't done in a long time. So, uh, a lot of fans will, will quote, and you'll you'll see kind of the cliches of uh, your bowl game is the first game of next season and. Uh, there's all sorts of momentum that can be carried into the next season with the bowl victory. Is that overblown? How how important are these bowl games uh, and actually winning them when it comes to sustaining the momentum of a program? Yeah, I don't know if it's hugely important. I think obviously for fans and certainly for the coaches, they want to go down there, they want to win, the kids want to win. Uh, but as far as uh, we have the same momentum and good vibes going into the off season. I'm not sure if it's absolutely necessary. Uh, I think the biggest thing that, that the coaches take away from the postseason and being able to go to a bowl game is the practices that you get in the lead-up to it. You get more hands-on time with some of the younger guys, and, and that's where I think you can gain momentum. Is you, get your, you, you get around those younger guys, guys that have redshirted this year. I know Joel Lanning talked about guys like Jake Hummel 
and Orion Vance as being guys that have kind of stood out to him in these bowl practices. And that's what this time is really for, is getting those young guys uh, more more reps in practice. Some of the some of the a lot of the seniors sat out like Dave Montgomery would sit out these bowl practices at least in the beginning because they played so many reps during the season they don't necessarily need those practices right away. So it's just more opportunities for these young guys to come in and, and uh, have their eyes opened a little bit. So I think that's more important than, than the game itself, although obviously um, when you go to bowl games, you want to end the season on a good note, especially uh, a season like this where you had so many, uh, you know, kind of memorable things happen. I think it, this is like, like it is for the team with a, an opportunity to kind of have another chip on their shoulder. It's an opportunity for fans to kind of go out and, and see those seniors who, who kind of laid it all on the line, like it's all landing at Al Mazard and, um, and then kind of seeing just try to do it one more time. As far as the bowl prep goes, uh, when will when will Iowa State head down there, and uh, how much how much will they practice versus uh, play, if you will, uh, when it comes to you know some of the bowl game shenanigans, the bowling parties, and the and all sorts of things that come along with with the bowl game. What what's their you know what their their itinerary looks like at all? Yeah, it sounds like they're going to get down there on Christmas Day, um, early afternoon. I think they'll be there. Um, and then they have practice uh, a couple of days after that. They have, an, they have an event at Bass Pro Shops that I'm sure they'll kind of publicize uh, here in the coming days. Um, I think it's the 29th. I'm pretty sure it's the day before the game. Uh, they have a pep rally and parade and all that kind of stuff on Field Street. So there's a lot of the same events that were there last time and certainly an opportunity for everybody to get out there and see that. And like I said, I, I think most, a lot of that stuff will be coming out here um, within the next week or so. I guess finally, how, how do you see the, the game playing out as far as Iowa State's uh, relatively stout defense, like I think you could call it, after holding several Big 12 opponents underneath their, their season averages against uh, one of the top offenses in the country in Memphis. Uh, and then Iowa State at times has struggled on offense, but Memphis's defense uh, looks like it's willing to uh, willing to give and allow Iowa State to move the ball a little bit. So it's kind of strength versus weakness and weakness versus strength. How do you see uh, Iowa State faring in this one? Yeah, I, I actually like Iowa State for this one. I, I think given the time between the finale against K-State and kind of the way that went and, and this bowl game, I think the seniors are really fired up. I think the team's really fired up getting everybody healthy, like I said, is, is really important there. But I think I've heard, um, as far as the style, maybe I've heard Memphis uh, be compared to Texas Tech and uh, West Virginia a little bit. So that type of team where uh, a lot of offense, um, defense, obviously, is, is hit or miss there. But uh, I think it will be a really good matchup. And it's, it's kind of fun to have it be the strength versus weakness and the weakness versus strength. I think that has a really interesting dynamic. And, um, Iowa State, obviously, playing a, a full big 12 slate has seen those tough tests offensively week in and week out. Um, you know, Memphis obviously played UCF twice this year, lost both times. Uh, they beat UCLA. So they, they do have, uh, a, you know, a decent win against the Power 5 team on their schedule. But they haven't played a lot of teams like Iowa State this year. So I think that'll be a kind of a, a, a new thing for them, an eye-opening thing for them, and, and really kind of create a good matchup. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how this plays out. 
Dylan, as the as the days lead up to uh, Iowa State's bowl game and Big 12 conference play for basketball, where can we catch your work on on Twitter and online? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Dylan Mons, D-Y-L-A-N-M-O-N-T-Z. And uh, especially as the bowl game kind of ramps up, I'll be writing a lot. Uh, You can check that stuff out at aimtrib.com. And obviously the print product is there too. I don't know how many people go pick that up, although we do appreciate anybody that does. But all all that stuff can be found online as well. So uh, uh, Twitter, uh, aimtrib.com, it's all there. So uh, appreciate that a lot. Well, Dylan, we appreciate you taking some time out of your evening to uh, record and kind of give your your insights as you uh, you know are pretty close uh, with the team uh, for both basketball and football, uh, and we look forward to to reading your coverage and possibly picking up a copy of your your book this December. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And it was yeah fun to it's always fun to chat football and basketball this time of year when when there's overlap and things are going on. So uh, I do appreciate you having me. Well, that was Dylan Muntz from the Ames Tribune. Uh, he gave you his Twitter handle. You can look for his coverage. Um, check out uh, his book, and then uh, should they make some updates going forward, uh, we'll get on. We'll, we'll promote that too because it is a it is a good book. Uh, as for the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Uh, give us a review. Uh, give us a rating. And uh, as always, thanks for listening, and go Cyclones. by any of the 108 Atlanta-area O'Reilly Auto Parts stores where you'll find everyday low prices on the parts you need to keep your vehicle at its best. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any auto parts store's price on any like item. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.